Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Pony Stampede Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Billy Embody. Another week goes by without sports, without recruiting visits and all of that, but we did get a little bit of news from Farhan Hunt on Tuesday afternoon as he opted to test the waters in the NBA draft and enter his name into the 2020 NBA draft. Now, I think when you look at Farhan's decision here, it kind of makes sense and it also doesn't really make sense at all. Look, there's not workouts for the NBA right now ahead of the combine. That could change. But if you're not going to be able to be worked out by NBA teams, all you're going to get is just feedback from the NBA based on your film from a year ago. And I think for Ferran, the real thing here is is he's not an NBA draft pick at this point in his career. And yes, while he led SMU in rebounds in the 2019-2020 season, his his offensive game is still just not there. His his consistency is certainly not there. And we've seen kind of him and Tim Jankovic battle over that over the last two years. And I think this decision, the timing of it is just kind of weird. I think the big thing for Ferran will be hearing maybe some of the things that he has to work on from another source other than Tim Jankovic or the coaching staff. Sometimes getting away from the people that have been telling you X, Y, and Z over the past couple of years can be a wake-up call in a way. And I do think Ferran needs that to, to an extent in his game. But I think this kind of illuminates a little bit of an issue with, with both Ferran and and a little bit of his his handling uh, the the staff's kind of handling of him as a player. He's really productive when he is is on. There's no doubt. He he has a chance to be honestly the best player on the floor for for SMU when when his game is on and he's a really really good rebounder. But pulling that consistency out of him has been an issue and I think there's a little bit of a disconnect between him and Tim Jankovic. I mean, we asked Tim Jankovic after the Wichita State game where Ferran's minutes were very limited in the second half, kind of, you know, he was pleading to go back in, kind of what was up, and Tim just kind of said, uh, that's his MO, he's been doing it for two years, just, you know, things like that, and kind of, you know, brush it off, but in reality, I think there's there's something that Tim Jankovic and Ferran Hunt need to work out, and it's his role going forward, and the expectations for him going forward, because, for SMU to take the next step if Tim Jankovic is back as the head coach, he they they have to get more out of Ferran Hunt. There's not a player in the last few years, especially out of the high school ranks, that's come to SMU with, I think, more fanfare that hasn't been developed than Ferran Hunt. And if he were to end up going pro and trying to go in the G League, I'm not sure it would work out at this point. So I think Ferran Hunt ends up coming back to college. I, I don't think there's really going to be much surprise when you hear that he opts to return to college. I think the one thing to watch now will be if that's at SMU. I think for Ferran, he could go somewhere else and and find a situation where he could play at the SEC level and come off the bench if he wanted to and and be a really good sixth man and maybe develop as a senior into a starter. But he needs somebody that's going to work him and and certainly uh, he's going to have to get better in the offseason as far as uh, his strength and conditioning. I think his body still needs to be developed. We've seen guys in the program, as they grow older, get into better shape 
look the part a little bit more. I mean, I think Ethan Shagwa, for as many, for as much issues as he has with consistency, his body's turned into something uh, more impressive than certainly as a, as a freshman when he was really kind of, uh, you know, a, just a soft looking body. Um, we've seen other players uh, take advantage of the strength and conditioning program as well. I think Ferran Hunt still is navigating that aspect of it. I think that feedback from the NBA would be important for him. But overall, kind of a weird decision for Ferran Hunt to go ahead and declare for the NBA draft. We'll see what his next steps are, but right now there's certainly no workouts going on with NBA teams. You're not having in-person meetings, so there's not really a, uh, a clear path here for what Ferran Hunt can do uh, moving forward with the NBA. But not really surprising for him to enter his name to get the feedback and things like that, but on the, on the other hand, it's just kind of weird timing, like I said. So we'll continue to monitor Ferran Hunt's decision and what's next for him. But he's not signing with an agent, so he can come back to college. I expect him to come back to college. It's going to be on SMU to to bring him back because I think there's going to be people in his ears, quite fr- in his ear, quite frankly, to uh, to to maybe make a change and and to uh, you know not not return to SMU. I, I just think that's kind of a natural natural thing right now that. Uh, they might have to deal with as he goes through this process. But I know the staff was aware of Ferran's decision and and that it was coming, but a lot of people didn't really think it would go public like this uh, during this time. It was just kind of a, a weird timing on it with the NBA, again, not holding workouts or anything like that. So that's kind of some of my thoughts on Ferran Hunt's decision. I think he's got a ways to go as a player. I don't think he ends up staying in the draft, but just kind of weird timing and and kind of, like I said, illuminates some of the things that I think Ferran needs to work on off the court as well, just kind of decision-making and things like that. So uh, he's a great kid. I, I think he's got a bright future. Uh, but again, this was just kind of weird timing for him. But I think the feedback that he can get from the NBA can help him develop into a better player for SMU. Uh, going to take some questions from our Pony Stampede subscribers uh, on the podcast today. And uh, we'll run through a lot of those. And one of the short and sweet ones is uh, what's Rob Evans' uh, involvement with SMU basketball? And he's a special assistant to the AD. He was hired uh, as, as um, somebody to advise uh, coaches and be kind of a sounding board for, for them over uh, kind of over the, the course of a year. So, I mean, he meets with Tim Jankovic here and there, but I mean, really, he's not. A part of like SMU basketball. I mean, he's not a coach. He can't do anything on the floor. Um, so really, he's he's there as kind of like a checks and balances and somebody there that's available to be a sounding board for for coaches if they if they need it. But I mean, he's not. You know, everybody kind of thinks somebody like that would have a huge role in a program. But I mean, in reality, he's just kind of a consultant for anyone who needs it. Uh, at SMU. So not really a huge involvement. And, and I mean, it's Tim Jankovic's program, so he's going to run it how he wants to uh, anyway. With that, we're going to take a quick break from the Pony Stampede podcast, come back on the other side of this break, talk a little bit about SMU's offense in 2020, where Shane Bouchelle could improve, maybe some changes that could come down the road in the offense. And then uh, we'll talk a little recruiting as well as we look ahead uh, to the 2021 recruiting class. And if you haven't already, check out my class prediction piece that dropped over the weekend on Pony Stampede. You can go back and check that out uh, as well. A lot of people had some thoughts on uh, 
where I see the class going and who ends up being uh, in what could be a historic class for SMU football in 2021. So we'll be right back after this break from the Pony Stampede podcast. Welcome back to the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for listening. We're going to dive into the football side of things. And if you haven't noticed on Twitter, and I encourage you to do so, Sonny Dykes and the staff and uh, Kaz Kazadi has kind of let off this week, but they're doing Zoom sessions with uh, some training and some some things you can do during uh, you know your stay-at-home order or whatever to work out, stay in shape. And then they're going to be doing some chalk talk stuff on Zoom as well. So look for that. It's usually at 2 o'clock on uh, uh, every day of the week. So uh, stay tuned for those that SMU football is doing. Let's look ahead to the 2020 season. Garrett Riley takes over at offensive coordinator along with A.J. Ricker as co-offensive coordinator. Shane Bouchelle is back at quarterback. And one of our subscribers asked, where do I see kind of the, the areas of, of improvement for Shane Bouchelle and what offensive tweaks I could see for uh, the Mustangs in 2020? And I think they kind of go hand in hand. And here's why. I think part of what Shane could improve on is getting the ball out quicker, making quicker throws, and, and just getting the ball in space to some of his, some of his guys uh, and, and letting them do the work for him. And I think with Garrett Riley at the helm, he's got an air raid background. Uh, they had a lot of success running the ball at App State, but that was kind of more uh, Eli Drinkwitz uh, being from that Gus Malzahn tree that we've seen, that commitment to the run. But he's going to bring some of those, some, those run game concepts. But a lot of the pass game, I think, is where you could see some of the tweaks. And it won't look different formationally. I do think they're going to stay with the one tight end. We'll talk a little bit about Kedrick James and how he fits into that in a minute. But one thing I think we're going to see from SMU in 2020 is more short passes, getting the ball out of Shane Bouchelle's hand quicker, and being able to get the ball to Reggie Robertson, Danny Gray when he gets on campus, and then Rasheed Rice, Calvin Wiggins, Kiki Burns, Thad Johnson, Tyler Page, Austin Upshaw, all of those receivers that SMU has right now, getting them the ball, letting them do the work, and then including Kylan Granson and Kedrick James, Ben Redding. SMU has the weapons. They have to get them the ball quicker, get the ball out of Bouchelle's hand quicker. I, I felt like sometimes a lot of SMU's passing game last year was a little bit slow developing, and sometimes that led to Shane getting hit too much and uh, I think down the stretch in the season, once they lost Reggie Robertson, we didn't see the explosiveness from the offense. Having that short, quick passing game will force the defense maybe to creep up a little bit, play a little tighter, look for those short passes, and then Reggie Ro- Robertson could go over the top and beat them deep. I don't think Bouchelle's deep ball is, is the issue. He's one of the best deep ball passers in college football. That'll continue in this offense. But I think Garrett Riley will bring some more crossing routes, some more quick slants, things like that. Try and get the ball out of Shane Bouchelle's hand a little quicker uh, in this offense. And one of the players that he could end up targeting, Kedrick James, is kind of a mystery. He transferred to Alabama. He's from Texas, from the Waco area. Transfers back to SMU and has to sit out four games uh, due to a suspension from the NCAA dating back to his time at Bama. And really last year he got hurt before he could even get a ruling on things. So he was out for the year. He's been rehabbing. He looks like he's ready to go. Sonny Dykes was saying that he was going to get some time in spring ball after spring break. Of course, now that won't happen with spring ball being canceled, giving him a little bit more time to recover as well. The big thing for Kedrick will be being able to just stay the course, 
stick to the plan that SMU has in place for him to be ready to go both academically and football and everything and kind of putting that all together so that he can be on the field this fall. Because if he's on the field, he's one of the best athletes on SMU's team. He might be the best pure just athlete with his size, his speed, his athleticism, all of those things he has scream NFL if he can put it together. With Kylan Granson back, I think you'll see both of them on the field at times this year. After he does sit out those four games, he has to sit them out uh, still, so he'll come back after the TCU game. His first game back would be the Memphis game, I believe, uh, to open conference play. And he can be a difference maker. There's no question about that in my mind. He's just got to put it all together and figure it out because uh, like I said, they think the world of him. I could see him being used in the offense with Kylan Granson, giving them a physical edge in the run game uh, with both of those big bodies on the field at one time. And that'll give defenses a lot of issues, I think, trying to pick who to match up with, who to, who to prioritize uh, from the tight end position with your linebacker, your safety. But he's got all the talent in the world. If he's ready to go, he'll be a big factor this year for SMU. Now, one thing we're starting to monitor and we're starting to see some things over the summer get moved around and canceled and postponed. We saw the Olympics postponed for a whole year now uh, as they uh, continue to kind of monitor this coronavirus outbreak. The thing about it is, is, is at what point in the summer, if we're all still dealing with this here in the States, does decisions from the NCAA or leagues or schools start to come out? And... I think once the month of June probably is up, that's and if things are still kind of up in the air, that's when I think you'll start to see the 2020 season potentially be impacted. Uh, some rumors out there have talked about you know maybe going with only a conference play schedule. If if that was the case, that would put most teams into that late September window starting, which would put you really um, let's say around Labor Day starting your fall camp most likely now. I don't think it's going to last this long. I think we're going to be back to seeing football being played uh, in the course of uh, the late summer and teams working out and players back on campuses and things like that. Uh, so I'm not worried yet about the 2020 season, but certainly start something that we're going to have to monitor as we continue to uh, follow this coronavirus stuff that's uh, going on. Now, let's switch gears, talk a little recruiting. And with that coronavirus, it's certainly impacted uh, coaches Getting out on the road, seeing prospects with spring ball being canceled, as well as hosting prospects for unofficial and official visits with the dead period rolling until mid-April. I think that gets extended all the way until May at least, uh, as I think everybody just wants to use abundance of caution with this and kind of how uh, you know we start to roll into the recruiting period again and there's a lot of there's a lot of questions we don't really know how this is going to look how it's going to play out so I don't want to kind of sit here and say how it'll impact timelines and things like that because we really just don't know I think in June is a pretty safe bet that most kids are going to be taking official visits coaches are going to be able to go out a little bit and evaluate over summer workouts and things like that and again we'll kind of see how that looks but I think that's when we see recruiting really pick back up I think there are some prospects out there that if this goes until late late April, you might see them call up SMU and say, hey, I'm ready to commit. Thought a lot about it. Certainly had a ton of time to go through my options, at least sitting at home here, and I want to jump on board with SMU. And 
for this class, I think we're less likely to see a long drought in the recruiting cycle like SMU did last year. And part of that was, look, SMU kind of went from early July, I think it was, until really late November with without a commitment. But here's the thing. They had a silent commitment from Thad Johnson in October after he came down on a visit. So they did have things rolling behind the scenes and certainly finished strong with the recruiting class. But it was a smaller class. This one looks like it's going to be a little bit bigger, more options out there, certainly more guys with SMU interest, I'd say. So it's going to be one of the tougher classes to monitor from that perspective. And I think that it'll be a class that I, and I'm asked this question, what, what are the positions that I could see go a lot of different ways? And I think one of them that stands out to me is wide receiver because SMU has done a really good job recruiting high-level wideouts in the past with, with guys like Kiki Burns, Calvin Wiggins, Rasheed Rice, this past cycle with Danny Gray and Thad Johnson getting on board. And then what do they look like as far as numbers at that position in the class? I'm not so sure that they don't take four wideouts in this class I could see that being a good number that kind of solidifies things for the future uh, and and gives them some options as players like Tyler Page and Reggie Robertson will move on uh, from from this program and and uh, we'll kind of see the younger crop officially take over. And part of the reason why I think that position could go a lot of different ways is because we've seen so many different players unofficially visit campus during this time. And well, not during this time, but in, in January and in, in March. I mean, you've got guys like Dylan Goffney, Elijah Bean, Roderick Daniels, Cameron Bonner, J.J. Uh, Henry, Joseph Manjack. Uh, there are a lot of prospects that have visited SMU over the course of this time. Quay Davis just included SMU in his top six. I don't see SMU landing Quay Davis, but you never know when maybe a school like Texas says, you know what, we're out. We, we, we've had him committed once already. I've heard rumblings that he is a silent commitment for Texas already again. So why not go public? We'll see kind of where Quay, Quay Davis ends up, but he's somebody to, to monitor as well. And then you never know who emerges late or who SMU gets in on late like they have in the past uh, with, with some of these prospects, uh, you know, like, like a Savion Williams late who ends up going to TCU, but could SMU end up winning a, a recruiting battle like that late for a prospect like Savion where they kind of got in late after he had decommitted from Arkansas. They were there and they were there kind of at the end when he first committed to Arkansas. But it, again, one of those high-end prospects late in the prospect process, will they go SMU's way this time? That's something to monitor. Corner, every year it seems like that position could go a number of different ways, whether it be junior college, whether it be high school, things like that. I just put a pick, crystal ball pick in for Lathan Adams out of DeSoto. Jalen Williams uh, out of Texas is another one to monitor there. And so they just seem like they have a lot of different options. Deuce Harmon is, is kind of hanging around. I think his, I don't think he ends up at SMU, but maybe um, he makes the call and, and ends up wanting to stay close to home just down the road from Denton. Uh, so that's a position that it seems like every year, again, they go through a lot of options and, and end up trying to find guys uh, that can uh, – you know, cover and, and make plays on the back end of the secondary. And it, and it does seem like they do th go through a good number of options. This, this cycle, there are less offers out at that position. It's a tough position to evaluate. Uh, and it's one that I could see going a lot of different ways for SMU on that front. As far as SMU's current approach to the class, 
I think they're trying their hardest, obviously, in the Dallas area. That's the big push this cycle with Preston Stone headlining things is the commitment uh, at quarterback, the four-star prospect out of Parish Episcopal. They are putting a lot of eggs into the Dallas efforts. And that's where I think the coronavirus dead period kind of helps SMU. A lot of these guys have been on campus multiple times. They, they know they're a priority. I mean, everyone from Kamar Wheaton to Savion Bird to Roderick Daniels to Adams and some of these other prospects that have been on campus a lot just down the road in Dallas, uh, will they end up being ones that go ahead and call up SMU during this dead period and commit? We'll have to see. I do think some of the national guys like Bird and Wheaton as are, both have already done a couple of other visits elsewhere this spring before the dead period hit. So we'll kind of see how those go. But there are guys like Brandon Epton and Monte Dawson who wanted to take visits elsewhere at running back and, and evaluate their options, but both have crystal ball picks in to land at SMU. I think they're very comfortable with taking this approach, okay? If you're a Dallas kid that they've prioritized, they're comfortable kind of waiting this thing out on them. And I think the big push will be on those guys to jump on board during the dead period, knowing that they've visited, knowing that they've checked out campus multiple times. So I think that is something to kind of monitor. And I think SMU is going to be patient. They, they have been under Sunny Dykes. I don't see that changing. Uh, and I think that the big push will be for those Dallas kids when the dead period ends to all come on campus, check out the school once again on an official visit, feel the love, feel the, uh, you know, born and raised, uh, aspect of it and, and staying home and staying in Dallas. And then they'll see who they end up pulling out of that group in the Dallas area when those decisions kind of come down, I, I would think, over the summer before their senior seasons and then go from there in terms of filling out the class. So I think that's the current approach. It makes sense. Uh, and it's it's the right thing to do. I think they have a lot of momentum with a lot of those players. And uh, so I don't I wouldn't fault them at all for, for kind of betting on themselves to land a good number of them. Now, let's have a little bit of fun here to end this podcast. A couple uh, of you had some fun questions like, how much weight are we going to put on? How much should we be drinking? How much weight are we going to lose during this uh, uh, you know, time where we're um, you know, waiting things out in the, uh, in the coronavirus stay-at-home or shelter-in-place or wherever you are, whatever the order you're under uh, to play out? And look, I, I think you can kind of go a lot of ways. You can put on a lot of weight. You can really eat a lot and, and you know, enjoy some home cooking and certainly uh, having a few beverages a night, you know, will help with that. Or you can really make a commitment to try and maybe get into running. Or my brother and I went out and we played tennis yesterday and, and that was a good workout. And that's probably just about the only sport you can play right now is tennis. Uh, so I would encourage maybe t- trying your uh, hand at tennis. Uh, if you're a golfer, get out and walk the course. Uh, and instead of uh, maybe riding around in the in the golf cart, so try and uh, have a little workout with that. But look, most likely we're going to put on a lot of weight, and that's kind of the the issue. But I would say this: try and get yourselves up, get yourselves a a good little breakfast in you, and then go from there. And that'll help kind of you know calm those eating uh, habits and things like that during the day. I know working from home for the last few years, that's kind of been my way to try and do it and and uh kind of again not snack and things like that throughout the course of the day but uh 
I wish you guys the best. And there's a lot of good uh, Netflix shows and, and movies that you should catch up and watch. I mean, I've been binging a lot of Curb Your Enthusiasm. I've never really gone through the whole show and watch it start to finish. So I'm doing that. Westworld is back on HBO. Uh, we're going to try the Tiger King on Netflix. Uh, that seems to be catching a lot of attention. Watched uh, Spencer Confidential, uh, the new Mark Wahlberg movie on Netflix. That was pretty good. I'd give that the thumbs up to go ahead and watch that one. And uh, But overall, a lot of different things you can do. Try and read some books, but uh, don't snack. That's probably the big thing right now if you're not putting, trying to put on that weight and uh you know try and uh try and set some goals for yourself as far as the drinking goes but it's really hard i've found that gosh most nights you're really just you know what you're doing nothing you're gonna have a cocktail at five six o'clock and that and then you you go from there so if you can kind of set some goals for yourself on maybe you know taking a night off from drinking or doing this or doing that that's probably best try and set some goals for yourselves and uh do the best you can that's been my TED Talk. So hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Hope everyone has a great rest of the week and stick with us on Pony Stampede, continuing to churn out our position by position looks at the 2021 class and where things stand, and uh, as well as getting updates on some of uh, the top prospects that SMU is in on in this cycle. So uh, check with us on the site every day for plenty of content. Hope everyone has a great rest of the week.